Okay, welcome to Ask the Expert. This morning we have uh, Dr. Jaglakar, Dr. Alok Jaglakar from University of Pittsburgh. He did a postdoctoral fellowship at Caltech. Follow, um, you know, um, prior to that he did a PhD in microbiology, immunology, and molecular genetics. What a combo at UCLA! And then he had master in science, um, basically in biotechnology, bioinformatics at University of Pune in India. So he's now an assistant professor, Department of Immunology. He's a core member at the Center for Systems Immunology, and he has an appointment for, as a joint faculty member for the Department of Computational and Systems Biology. What they're doing um, over there at Pitt in his laboratory is very, very interesting. Today's talk will be about T-cell antigen discovery in type 1 diabetes, and they uh, have really made significant progress in the area of T-cell antigen discovery. They have a novel high throughput approach developed by the lab that's demonstrated the ability to identify the target antigen of a given T cell. So they're proposing to use the platform to address major questions in immunology, you know, such as like, what's the breadth of the T cell response in a given disease? How did the antigenic landscapes of T cell responses evolve over time? And what's the fundamental mechanistic basis of antigen recognition? recognition by TCRs. These are huge questions and all pertaining to type 1 diabetes. Uh, welcome, um, Alok, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm very um, uh, delighted to be here, and uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the invitation and uh, the opportunity to, to share some of our work that, uh, that, that sort of focused on uh, a very specific question in uh, type 1 diabetes. Um, and before uh, going into the, the actual work, what I would mention uh, is that uh, this work is funded by the Human Islet Research Network uh, and NIDDK, uh, as well as the DKNet um, uh, pilot uh, program in uh, bioinformatics awards. Uh, and together, these two funding sources have been uh, crucial for us to uh, to really bridge this gap between experimental and computational approaches and bring them together for, uh, to perform uh, this sort of a research. Yeah, absolutely. Those two entities, HERN and DKNet, have been really um, just really pushing the ball forward, especially for uh, early career scientists to really get them, um, you know, to the resources and the work uh, and, and accelerate the work that they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's dive right into it. Right. All right. Right. So I'm gonna give a give a <laughs> quick sort of an uh, an introduction to the immune system, uh, and I'm uh, to sort of bring everyone on the same page. Uh, so our immune system is uh, acts sort of as the the protector of the realm uh, for us uh, on a on a daily basis. Our our uh, our uh, body is challenged with lots of different threats, uh, bacteria, viruses, parasites, uh, and the immune system has developed several ways to combat them. Um, so for example, the immune system has physical barriers that will keep these uh, pathogens away. Uh, immune system also has these large scale sort of nonspecific um, responses, uh, such as the complement system but it also has very precise responses that are mediated by the adaptive uh, immune system uh, that allows it to, uh, to, to look at uh, threats in a very antigen specific manner. Um, and um, uh, like I said, one of the key properties of the, uh, of the immune system, particularly the adaptive immune system, uh, which is highly antigen specific, 
um, is its ability to distinguish what's self and what's non-self. So, uh, so it can react to uh, to external versus internal antigens differently, um, and uh, it does that uh, through primarily two different cell types, T cells and B cells. Uh, and T cells are what uh, uh, what our work uh, focuses on. So T cells, uh, as I mentioned, are highly antigen specific, uh, and the way they obtain this antigen or attain this antigen specificity uh, is using their surface T cell receptor. And T cell receptors uh, recognize uh, peptide epitopes that are presented on uh, MHC or major histocompatibility complex molecules. Um, and the the recognition between uh, or recognition by a T cell of an epitope is absolutely critical for dictating its function. And in turn, the MHC complexes uh, sort of sample a cellular proteome, either intracellular or extracellular proteome, and present that to T cells. So T cells are always uh, sort of scanning this proteome and identifying whether something is foreign or not. So as you can imagine, there's a, an enormous number of molecules that are seen by T cells at any given time. So how do T cells actually uh, respond specifically to this repertoire? Um, and again, um, this is where one of the fundamental properties of the adaptive immune system that's, that's unique to the adaptive immune system um, comes into play where uh, there is a combinatorial uh, sort of recombination process that that rearranges several uh, several gene segments uh, to form highly uh, diverse and polymorphic repertoire of uh, T cell receptors. Uh, it's actually estimated that there are over 10 to the power of 20 possible TCRs uh, that's, that are generated in, in, a, uh, in a human or in a mouse. Um, and out of that, through thymic selection, uh, the, the repertoire is sort of trimmed to something like 10 to the 11th or 10 to the 12th T cells in our body. Um, but as you can imagine, this is a huge number of, of T cell receptors. Um, and the way these T cell receptors get their antigen specificity is that they use, uh, use highly uh, variable regions, uh, particularly those called complementarity determining regions uh, that specifically interact with epitopes that are presented on MHC. And you can define a given T cell based on its sequence, particularly from its uh, CDR uh, one, two, and three regions, as well as uh, V-beta families. So when you, when one looks at functions or, or the different facets of T cell function, uh, you start with epitope recognition by a TCR. Um, and uh, as, I, as I've mentioned, uh, this is a repertoire of TCRs at a systems level. Uh, but this recognition then initiates a signaling cascade that gives rise to uh, changes uh, in gene expression, which then gives rise to a functional response. While a lot of these different um, different aspects have been studied quite uh, quite well, one of the relatively understudied aspects of T cell function is actually what's the what's the recognition uh, or what's the cognate epitope that that a given T cell is recognizing. Can I just ask you right here, you know, what is there a library that exists or a repository for the cognate epitope, you know, repertoire? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And there are several uh, repositories that, that one can refer to. Um, and they, 
you know, depending on the data that uh, people have deposited in these, uh, the, you know, the amount of information that's available changes. Uh, but one of the most uh, commonly used repositories is the IEDB uh, resource uh, on which you can actually search for uh, specific antigens and you would get um, TCR sequences, either just alpha or alpha and beta or just beta um, that are specific for that given, um, given antigen. Uh, in addition to that, VDJDB is an excellent resource in which uh, TCRs, uh, particularly their antigen specificities and sequences, um, are deposited. And um, and and the 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 amount of data that are being generated in this arena is really staggeringly huge. And we're you know on a daily basis getting more and more sequences. So there's definitely a need for a a more sort of centralized or more curated uh, repository yeah. of, of these. Because those uh, those databases you just, uh, repositories you just um, brought up, those are not specific to type one diabetes or even to autoimmunity. They're sort of like, you know, a vast sea of information, right? So people, so scientists who are interested in type one have to kind of wade into it and, you know, check it out um, as they go. But yeah, that's- Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, it's so interesting. And, you know, um, it'll be very, and I guess I would also ask, are these data, um, you know, standardized, harmonized? I mean, that's one of the biggest problems, correct? Right, right. Uh, and so, right. So for, for people who are specifically interested in type 1 diabetes, there's no, uh, there's no such readily available data set that's um, that's focused on a particular disease. Um, and largely because of that, there is a lack of sort of standardization. I mean, there are approaches that people have um, have developed for the standardization, but um, on the large, uh, the data are sort of fragmented and, and distributed um, and largely sort of group specific rather than being available to, to the community at large. Yeah, okay, well, there's work to be done there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Absolutely. for that answer. All right. So, so one of the uh, and this this is a perfect segue for the for the next slide where uh, we can uh, one of the ways to study TCR repertoires is actually sequencing the uh, the TCR data sets and this can be done using uh, various approaches but um, more recently single cell RNA seq uh, approaches are are uh, being developed to really interrogate the the repertoire. Um, Right, so, so some of the most popular approaches here are uh, adaptive biotechnologies immunoseq approach, which uh, one can use to profile a large number of TCR beta, uh, in particular uh, TCR beta sequences, uh, whereas the 10x genomics um, uh, single cell RNA-seq uh, methods can be, can be used effectively to look at both alpha and beta uh, chains, uh, but on a relatively smaller uh, number of cells at a time. But together, these techniques give us uh, a wealth of information that we can use to, uh, to then probe what they're recognizing. Right, so the big question in the field, and this is what my lab uh, works on, is how do, we, how do you go from having a sequence of a TCR to knowing what it's specific to? And there are several uh, types of methods that people have developed, and I'll try to give a, a little bit of an overview of, uh, of those methods. Um, so the, the 
first types of methods uh, that people have developed are what's called antigen-directed methods. So essentially, we can start with a limited set of antigens that we are interested in and see if any of our uh, T cells on, of interest bind to those antigens. And one of the best examples here is actually to, to look at SARS-CoV-2 specific T cells, for example, from COVID patients, where uh, we know that if we want to look at cells that are specific for uh, SARS-CoV-2, then we already know the proteins of interest there. So we can probe uh, T cells based on those proteins. Um, and thereby, therefore, these methods are called antigen directed. On the other hand, we can start by just taking a T cell receptor and do sort of library screens to identify what that T cell receptor uh, is specific to. And these are of course TCR directed methods. Uh, oftentimes they don't assume a priori uh, what the antigen may be. Uh, so it can be a relatively unbiased way of probing a TCR, but that also complicates things because then you're looking at a much, much bigger universe of, of epitopes that the T cell could be recognizing. And then finally, uh, these are relatively uh, nascent and, uh, and uh, under uh, sort of rigorous development as of now. Uh, and these are computational methods where the ideal, the, the ultimate goal would just be to take a sequence and predict what it's binding purely based on the sequence. We're of course not quite there yet, but there's definitely tools that have uh, that have moved us along uh, to a uh, to, to a place where we can see this as a very realistic goal uh, over the next, um, hopefully, 10 to 20 years. That kind of reminds me a little bit of AlphaFold, right? I mean, you have mm -hmm. the, you, I mean, and then you, may, you maybe you would uh, offer it to the community for gamification. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. But one of the, and that's a great um, idea, and I think one of the reasons for uh, AlphaFold being as uh, you know a, a fantastic uh, a tool uh, is the the wealth of structures that are already resolved by people, yeah. and I think that's the kind of foundation that uh, that the TCR peptide MHC field needs to be at. Right. Um, that's well, the pro with proteins. A lot of that work came from like crystallography and stuff like that, but here. These are not so easy to, you know, crystallize and x-ray crystallography I'm talking about. So, right. And you've got like two entities plus that, you know, the middle part of the sandwich there. So it's kind of, uh, it's almost like, yeah. How do you, how do you get that, um, as you said, the foundation of work in place? Right. Well, that's why we're, we're in this business. That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to right. reach that foundation. Um, but uh, you know, over the last few years, just the the uh, the scale of known uh, antigen-specific TCRs uh, has exponentially uh, grown, and that's definitely going to help us reach that reach that point. Okay, so uh, relatively uh, quickly, um, the antigen-directed methods that I was talking about uh, sort of start with a a small number of peptides or proteins and look at whether given T cells either bind to those uh, peptides or elicit a response when stimulated with those peptides. And some of the best known techniques here are, uh, are ELISA's or ELISPOTs, 
as well as uh, peptide MHC tetramers that are uh, quite commonly used for, uh, for studying T cell responses in various contexts. Um, the, the advantages of these techniques are they're quite sensitive, they're rapid, uh, and they're quantitative, but also they're limited by the numbers of peptides that you can probe at a given time. It's typically a few peptides to at best a or at best hundreds of uh, peptides, uh, which really, you know, without knowing what a T cell may recognize, hundreds of peptides is, is nothing compared to what it's the possibility of uh, oh, yeah, it's just a drop in the bucket. Right. On the other hand, uh, there are many TCR directed methods that have actually come out in the last few years, and the the method that was developed by me was one of uh, one of these. Um, and these are uh, you know roughly categorized in the truly unbiased methods such as combinatorial libraries or yeast display libraries, or you have cell based libraries of um, of epitopes that you can use to uh, screen individual TCRs. And they typically start by having one or more, uh, a small number of TCRs, and then screen those TCRs against a large number of epitopes. Uh, but these methods also have their advantages and disadvantages. Methods like yeast display or combinatorial peptide libraries can do truly unbiased screens of 10 to the 8 sort of epitopes, mm. uh, but they're also quite labor intensive and the results that you get at the end are not always physiologically relevant. Right. Whereas the cell-based methods is sort of a, 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 a medium between uh, the two methods where uh, you're not scanning for as many epitopes, so up to 10 to the 5th, 10 to the 6th epitopes, uh, but at the same time, you're getting physiologically relevant epitopes. But these methods are also quite labor intensive as, um, as the yeast displays or combinatorial libraries are. Can I ask you, how many labs do you think they're studying type 1 diabetes and in the TCR sort of realm? I can think of like Todd Briscoe's lab and BRI and places like that. But, you know, how many labs are currently doing this sort of labor intensive work, you know, uh, the physiological, you know, PMHC presentation work. Right. So, of course, you know, without without uh, knowing all the uh, sort of in-progress uh, kind of methods, in terms of uh, a TCR-directed antigen discovery approach, there are, there are definitely several labs uh, who are working on it. And, you know, clearly this is not a, not an exhaustive list for yeah, sure. Just, a, just a ballpark. Uh, I, I would say, I would say, less than 20 labs are maybe doing a TCR directed approach. Hmm. Uh, and that may be, may even be in a slight overestimation, but then again, you know, I don't want to necessarily. Yeah, uh, no, it's just a ballpark. I mean, it just shows that there's, there's room for a lot more people to enter this realm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll touch on that when we, uh, when we sort of transition into my lab's work and right. why, you know, why we think there's, there's room for growth. Uh, for for more labs to come in. And actually one of the things has been that these methods have not always been accessible to the large community to, uh, or to the community at large uh, because they've been uh, they've been sort of restricted to that lab's expertise yeah. uh, who developed the method. And right. that's one of the <clears throat> things that you know one of the goals of my lab is to to really make at least our method as broadly applicable as possible. And uh, we want to spread it to 
you know, to other labs as much as possible. Well, that can be very uh, easily done with Protocols IO, Lenny Teitelman's effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we actually have a, um, a, a Nature Protocols pro protocol out for uh, some of our antigen discovery work, and we're hoping to get uh, another round of, uh, round of these sort of uh, protocols out. Great. Uh, so then moving on to computational approaches, and I won't spend too much time on it, but these approaches uh, actually what they try to do is they look at uh, look at either shared motifs in TCR sequences or uh, similarities among TCR sequences in order to identify TCRs that may be likely to share the same antigen. What that means is that if you have one TCR that you know recognizes a given antigen, you can look at similar TCRs to that TCR and hypothesize that those TCRs might also recognize the same antigen. And based on that, you can use some uh, uh, sort of uh, discriminators in order to distinguish repertoires between uh, disease states, for example. And this has been very, very, um, well utilized uh, as an as examples uh, in the uh, in the tumor immunology field where uh, one can distinguish uh, cancer patients versus healthy uh, controls based on TCR repertoires. Yeah, um, actually, and in neuro, right? Also in neuro, right? So you've got some roadmaps there about how it can be done. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, one of the there's a there's now a um, um, an approved test to look at T-cells specific for SARS-CoV-2, where one can know just based on T-cell sequences where uh, someone has um, has gotten infected with SARS-CoV-2 or not. Um, yeah, that's that's great. A sense of urgency there, right? Drove the drove the work faster. Right. Absolutely. Um, right. So you know when you look at sort of these methods, one of the things to really understand is you know, which method is right for a given lab. And right off the top, I'm gonna to say that computational methods are not quite there, particularly in terms of autoimmune diseases. And one of the goals for us is to make these methods robust enough so that you should be able to predict repertoires or repertoire properties uh, just based on uh, TCR sequences. Right. Um, and we have a, uh, we have a, uh, a review in Nature Methods that was published a couple of years ago that that sort of details uh, all these different methods. But a, a very rough guide is that if you have a small number of antigens that you're interested in, then antigen-directed methods are uh, more um, uh, suitable. But if you have a, uh, a large number of TCRs without really knowing what the universe of antigen may be, then TCR-directed methods are typically uh, more suitable. So that's a sort of a rough guide uh, to distinguish uh, between those. Yeah, coming at it from two different ways. Right. Okay, so how do we, uh, so this is a, a summary just sort of showing our, our rough guide uh, to that. Um, and again, computational methods are, are relatively um, nascent um, at the moment. Uh, but one of them, one of the advantage, one of the most recent things is uh, that in addition to identifying the antigen of uh, that's recognized by a T cell, you can incorporate those data with multiomic approaches with other facets of the T cell function. So uh, if we go back to the diagram that I had, we can sort of 
look at a systems level integrative view of the t-cell function uh starting with its specificity hmm. so could you kind of like bring in the fact that a certain subpopulation was exhausted or whatever absolutely and uh i'll show some of our data that that sort of looks at um looks at that beautiful Okay, so here's uh, I'm transitioning into uh, into some of our uh, work that's funded by uh, NIDDK Hearn uh, and DKNet. So I don't necessarily need to introduce uh, that uh, that T cells are quite critical in type one diabetes uh, in both mice as well as non-obese diabetic mice. Uh, pancreatic islet beta cells uh, get destroyed because of T cells infiltrating the islets and recognizing antigens and destroying uh, cells that express those antigens. Um, and in my lab, we uh, we use NOD mice as uh, as primarily the, the model of uh, type 1 diabetes. Uh, and they uh, they develop robust, uh, they develop type 1 diabetes spontaneously on a fairly robust, uh, in a fairly robust manner. Um, and that type 1 diabetes development is actually uh, predicated on T-cell infiltration into the islets, which uh, happens progressively. Uh, one of the features of not mice that that's so important to us is that a lot of the autoantigens that have been known to be auto uh, be targets of autoreactive T cells in not mice are also shared by human patients, and that allows us to study not mice and hypothesize fairly reasonably that the antigens found in not mice are also going to be good candidates for uh, antigens in, in human uh, type 1 diabetes patients, right? Uh, but one of the challenges that still remains, and this is where, uh, you know, the, the, there is room to sort of grow as a field, is that if you look at a, an antigenic uh, landscape or a repertoire that's uh, found within the islets, majority of those epitope specificities are still undefined. So we have no idea what about half of the cells that are going into the islets are actually recognizing. And this is yeah. where uh, my lab's work comes into play. And also I would just sort of throw in a little you know, question. It's not really known as whether or not these uh, TCRs have been sort of like miseducated or T cells have been miseducated somewhere else and coming in. And that's what we had a little paper that came out that was talking about how microbial GAD is, um, has some overlap with the human GAD um, autoantibody. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that is a challenge is that without knowing the antigen of the, uh, the T cell, it's virtually impossible to, to say how or where that T cell may have, may have, sort of gotten miseducated or where does the loss of tolerance to that particular antigen uh, develops? Well, can you, can you not trace the um, origin of the, um, the TCR using CAMs? Uh, you can trace the origin, but typically what happens is in, uh, you know, you cannot compare TCRs, TCR sequences across mice or across patients because uh, typically most of these TCRs are private. So what you can track is antigen-specific T cells, mm -hmm. um, but to do that, you need to know the antigen. Yeah, yeah. It's a, right. it's a conundrum. Yeah, so it's a, it's a chicken and egg sort of a problem. But, uh, but uh, what we are uh, 
essentially hoping or aiming for is that by better defining what T cells are recognizing, that we would be able to then use that knowledge to then then look at more fundamental questions of you know how's the tolerance lost right so so our project essentially is uh, that we start with uh, with T cell receptor uh, that T cell receptors that are that are derived from T cells that infiltrate pancreatic islets in nod mice and then simultaneously sort of profile the cells that uh, that are carrying these T cell receptors uh, by single cell uh, RNA sequencing. And then in parallel run antigen discovery using our method uh, to identify the cognate epitope of that uh, of those T cells. And with the goal that if we do this in mice, identify novel autoantigens, we can then go back to humans and see if they are also autoantigens in human type 1 diabetes. And I don't know how much time yeah, just keep going. I mean, it's, okay. we can we can go over. Okay. This um this work you're showing kind of reminds me of uh, an interview that we had last uh, earlier in the week with Chenku So coming mm. out of the Teichman lab, um, where they're doing a lot of this kind of setting up the human cell atlas, right? I mean, they're working with Aviva Jev, who's in Genentech now. She was at MIT, mm. and um, they're trying to put this whole thing together. So it sounds like seems like your work could actually in, help inform that human cell atlas. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, one of the uh, one of the sort of grand goals of, of the field should be, and I think it is, you know, in some ways, uh, to build this uh, atlas of antigen-specific T cells and what are the antigens that are recognized in all different tissues, all different locations throughout development, that sort of thing. Absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, okay. So we uh, we start with single cell profiling, and essentially what we have is uh, is a data set where for each cell we have the transcriptome of the cell, but also the TCR sequence that's encoded by that cell. So we can define each cell by its TCR clonotype, and then study the the phenotype that's exhibited by uh, by these cells. Nice. And so so these are all those sort of aggregate data. Uh, showing the CD4 T cells that infiltrate islets of six, eight, and 10 week old nod mice. And these are sort of uh, pre-diabetic uh, nod mice. So they haven't uh, lost their beta cell uh, mass completely. Um, and there's progressive sort of increase in T cell infiltration uh, across the, uh, these three time points. Okay, so uh, going back to sort of the phenotype, because we know the TCR and we know the, uh, the transcriptome, uh, we can sort of divide these cells based on uh, their uh, their broad phenotypes into different uh, sort of functional clusters. Uh, and as you can see here, we are seeing cells that that look sort of like naive uh, T cells, uh, but also some activated T cells, as well as some uh, signatures of exhausted T cells, um, uh, as well as some regulatory T cells. Uh, and then one of the cool things we can do is superimpose the clonal expansion of the T cells on this phenotype. So we can, uh, based on the TCR sequence, we can attribute how many clones of a given cell are present in our data and then superimpose that information. So uh, darker colors here um, correspond to higher clonal expansion. And we can see uh, clearly that in these, uh, these sort of activated and exhausted cell clusters over here is where we see most of our clonal expansion. 
Um, and that's sort of, uh, uh, and we can definitely go into sort of the finer phenotypes. Uh, but for this uh, project, what we are interested in is what are the targets of those cells? So to do that, what we can do is take some of the top uh, TCR clonotypes in, in our data sets. And these, these fall sort of over here uh, in these clusters across the six, ten, eight, or 10-week-old uh, mice and uh, just clone those TCRs and screen them for their epitope. And to do that, we go back to our cell-based epitope discovery technique, which is uh, which starts with a uh, a library of sort of um, reporter cells that have genetically encoded epitopes presented by them, um, and then we can using a using a homegrown method, we can screen this library against T cells that are under investigation. So in this case, the TCRs that are clonally expanded from our data set, and then identify which one of these library cells is recognized by a given T cell. Um, and if we can do that, if we can discriminate between a, a, a true target of a given T cell versus a non-target or an irrelevant target, then we can sort those uh, cells. And based on the fact that we are genetically encoding the epitope presented by those cells, we can sequence um, those cells and just identify what the epitope is. Yeah, very nice, elegant. Thank you. Um, and what allows us to do that is these constructs called SABRs, which stand for uh, signaling and antigen presenting bifunctional receptors, uh, which are uh, essentially peptide MHC complexes, but they have a signaling domain uh, attached to them. So what this, this really allows us to do is convert this uh, sort of one-way interaction of T cell and um, a, a peptide MHC complex into a two-way interaction where we can um, not only present an epitope to a T cell, but also generate a signal if that epitope is recognized by that T cell. Um, and the way we read out um, this interaction uh, is using a, um, using a reporter cell type called NFAT GFP jerkats, which induce GFP if, uh, if this epitope is recognized by a TCR. And this, these are just data showing uh, a very well-known TCR that recognizes uh, these two epitopes, whereas uh, another well-known TCR that doesn't recognize these two epitopes. And you can see that if we look at GFP signal, we only get robust GFP signal when the correct combination of the TCR and peptide MHC is present, but not when irrelevant um, TCR-peptide MHC combinations are present. Yeah, that's nice and clean. It's a strong signal. Thank you, yeah. Uh, yeah, the system works quite uh, quite robustly, uh, and sort of based on that, what we can do is uh, build libraries in which we have these sabers that encode for hundreds or thousands of epitopes. So in our library, we actually have about four thousand epitopes that are encoded by these sabers, uh, and they're all uh, type one diabetes relevant epitopes that are derived from uh, published data sets. And actually, we use IEDB as one of our uh, one of our um, base resources to build this um, library. And then we can express this library into our reporter cells and then screen them against TCRs expressing our, uh, our TCRs that are expressed in our, um, uh, in our cells and then identify the epitopes recognized by these TCRs. 
so as I mentioned, I built uh, we built this library of about 4,000 epitopes uh, based on a, a paper that was published a couple of years ago by the UNNEI group. Uh, and this library has all sorts of different uh, epitopes in there, uh, including post-translationally modified epitopes as well as hybrid peptides. So I'm going to skip over validation and just say that you know we have this library. Uh, we validated it by using a well-known TCR, and uh, this is the epitope. And what we identified through our library are highlighted here, which are essentially analogs of the epitope that that we uh, uh, that we know is the positive control epitope. So we can validate the library, and then we have actually implemented this library in our data set. And these are a lot of the ongoing uh, data. So this is not a complete data set, but right off the bat, we've identified uh, about nine TCRs that are specific to three different antigens. And this is completely de novo. We start with the TCR sequence, we run a screen, and at the end of the screen, we get, get its cognate epitope. Uh, so this is, a, uh, this is a really nice uh, scale at which we are working where uh, not many labs uh, are, are actually able to do this sort of a, a de novo TCR antigen discovery. No, uh, they are, I have not seen anything out there like this. Yeah, there's, there are a few different techniques that, that have been published. Uh, as far as I know, in the type 1 diabetes field, there are only a few labs that, that can do uh, do this sort of um, this sort of a research and and we are very happy that uh, that in sort of our preliminary studies that have led up to this point that we can um, fairly rapidly screen a large number of TCRs and identify antigen specific TCRs. It looks like there is a need for uh, more hands on deck, right? Absolutely. Like because this now you've established this protocol. And it's like, let's get it out into the hands of others. We just spoke recently with, to Linda Nemelio from University, um, Indiana University and uh, David Moss from Stanford. They're putting together a program called DiabDocs, a K-12 for um, 11 uh, early career physician scientists, right? Mm -hmm. That have appointments and this, they need to submit their LOI by August 1. It looks like this, this would be this kind of program could be so useful for somebody like that. And they get funding, mentorship. I mean, it, and this kind of approach um, could be something that, that an early career physician scientist could, could dive into, correct? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's a shout out. If anybody hears this, <laughs> contact um, Alok. Yep, definitely <laughs> happy to uh, start collaborations and, and sort of spread this method uh, to to other, other labs. And I'll mention that it's not, you know, even though we're focusing on type 1 diabetes here, the method is really broadly applicable to other autoimmune diseases. So right. uh, even if, you know, you're interested in other diseases, definitely contact us and we're, we'll be happy to, to chat more about what we can do. Um, and I think this is sort of my, probably the last slide. Um, uh, right. So going back to sort of uh, gene expression. So now that we've identified at least three different antigens that, uh, that these cells are recognizing, we can actually go back and look at the phenotypes of these, uh, these T cells and correlate that. Now this is super preliminary, but we are, we are doing a lot of uh, computational work. And this is really where the DKNet project comes in uh, to identify if 
what are the, the salient features of these T cells that are antigen specific and also clonally expanded. Uh, right, so that to summarize, we, we've uh, developed this method of antigen directed, oh, sorry, TCR directed antigen discovery, and we have implemented it for uh, looking at T cells uh, in non-mice. Uh, and what we are doing currently is sort of scaling this up to really identify uh, and map out the landscape, but also to translate this to human patients, because that's uh, critical for uh, understanding uh, development of disease, as well as uh, coming up with uh, either diagnostics or therapeutics. So you would, you know, I mean, what's your first target? Like in the, in the prodrome with like one autoantibody, try to get some T cells out of those people. It's very, like sometimes it's kind of hard, right? There's very low number. Yeah. I think specific for type one. Right. That's a great question. I think we're still in the, uh, you know, in the process of figuring out what's the right uh, cohort of patients uh, to, to get the data from. Uh, we, we're also, uh, you know, in the process of uh, forging and establishing several collaborations where we can uh, get access to data that maybe have previously been obtained already and are published. So we're, we're sort of exploring um, uh, several different avenues uh, in that and trying to figure out what's our best uh, best sort of, uh, what's our optimal target. For, yeah. Yeah. I know talking to Sarah Richardson, um, you know, the other day she was really, they, she talks quite a bit about the endotypes that mm -hmm. exist in type one. And even though, you know, some might say that's like not a good business case, it's still uh, is, is showing itself as a, as a reality. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, I mean, when you talk about this work, it's kind of, I think it's great that you're really trying to drill down on, you know, specific um, targets. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, and actually, finally, none of this would be uh, possible without without uh, my lab members and my trainees, uh, and, a and a particular shout out to uh, Paul Stenak, who is a uh, very talented now third year, uh, almost third year uh, PhD student in the lab. And he's done, um, I would say majority of the, uh, of the work along with uh, very talented uh, undergraduate students in the lab, uh, as well as research technicians. Uh, and of course our collaborators uh, like the Vignali lab uh, here, uh, Mark Anderson at UCSF, uh, of course the members of Kern, uh, as well as our several other uh, collaborators. And finally, people who give us the money to, to this, uh, this work and uh, in, in the hopes of uh, us translating it. That's fantastic. And I wonder if anybody from the audience would like to ask a question either in person or in chat, just please unmute yourself. Um, and then um, I guess I would also say, are you looking for postdocs right now? Um, I think se seems like everyone in the world is looking for postdocs right <laughs> now. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're always on the lookout for talented uh, trainees at sort of all levels to uh, to join us. So, uh, you know, if you're a, a graduate student looking for a postdoc, a postdoc looking for a research scientist opportunity, uh, an undergraduate who wants to join grad school, or even someone who's looking for a summer project, we're looking at all sorts of, um, looking for people at all sorts of level to contribute to this, because clearly there's a lot of work to be, uh, to be done. And, um, 
uh, as you said, we need all hands on deck um, to, to progress this project. Well, that that is really an inspirational, um, uh, you know, approach and talk. So I appreciate you so much taking the time. We did go a little over just because it was so interesting. Oh, I have a question. Yes. Thank you very much. Please unmute, unmute yourself. Yeah. Hi, Alok. Uh, very great Hi, presentation. Amy. And so if you were to translate those studies in NOD mice to do them in, in, in humans, I think you will first have to use uh, disease donors for islet infiltrating T cells, right? So uh, how many patients and how many T cells and how many years you think it will require you for to get an idea of different profiles of patients? Are we just right. talking about endotypes, but it's, it's likely that they are in the different types of immune responses right. uh, that may be dominated by certain types of uh, T cells. So how would you, I think you will have to start with disease donors first. How, how, yes. how, how much work do you think that would take? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and actually another complicating factor on top of the ones that, that you mentioned is the HLA type. So I think our starting point would actually be to, to focus on uh, certain high-risk alleles. And one of the uh, things we're looking at right now is uh, HLA DQ8 as, uh, as our sort of starting point. So first we would of course look at HLA DQ8 positive uh, disease donors, islet infiltrating cells from them. And it's, I, I'll say it's hard to predict right off the top how many we would need to define, um, you know, comprehensively what the antigen is. Uh, so in, in this work, we did about, we took about 11 mice um, overall and, and looked at their, uh, their T cells. And I would say a good pilot project level project would be something like tens of patients or tens of uh, disease donors and uh, something like five to 10 TCRs, top expanded TCRs per donor. Uh, that's what I would, you know, that's what I would start with as a, as a pilot project uh, basis. Okay. And then moving on to living patients. So if you were to profile those, any way you, you'll be able to, obviously, if you use tetramer to enrich those T cells, you already know the, the antigen. So is there any markers of activated T cells that you could use to enrich maybe to try to uh, pre-select those that are likely involved in right. the process? That's a great question too. Uh, we are working on that right now. We are working on uh, sort of two different ways to answer that question. Uh, one of them is, is uh, you know, phenotypic markers of, uh, of cells that we can maybe use. Uh, and there are some, uh, you know, in our study, we have, uh, we're, uh, we've shown, uh, or we've seen a couple of different markers that, that may be uh, associated with clonal expansion. We're also trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to best define that, that, that uh, phenotype of the cells, uh, but the other question, other way to answer that question is actually looking at the the TCR repertoire and can we first do a uh, a uh, a similar study that I showed here with human samples so that we have a good amount of human antigen specific TCR sequences and can we use them to go back to TCR repertoires of uh, you know, of 
uh, of living donors from which we can pull PBMCs and then look at repertoires in the PBMCs. Now, this is very early on, I would say, for both of those, but we are working on both aspects. And if there are some uh, specific alpha and beta chains that are enriched, you could also use antibodies to pull them up, right? Right, possibly, yeah, yeah. That's a great, great series of questions. Thank you so much. Um, all right, well, you know, in the interest of time, I'm sure you've got to get back to the back to the uh, bench. And and thanks again Alok, for talking with us. And um, it's great. You're doing some fabulous work. And I would encourage anyone who has interest in this realm to reach out to you. Um, just a really uh, dynamic place to be right now is you uh, pit in the Juggle Car Lab. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks very much. I appreciate the opportunity and have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.